Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Creative Imbalance Podcast. Like always, I am your host Sean Siriani, and we got a special episode for you. And this was actually a special episode for me as well, because um, my guest today is the one, the only, the legendary Vampiro and film director Michael Patz. When it comes to Vampiro, um, you're going to tell during this interview, I've followed his career since I was like 12 years old, watching WCW wrestling on Nitro, and in current years through Lucha Underground. But right now, he is making his media rounds because there is a brand new movie featured around him titled Nail in the Coffin, The Fall and Rise of Vampiro. And it's also directed by Michael Patz, who is on this show today. And wow, it's just an incredible movie. And there's just so much I can say about it. It's, um, you, do, you do not have to be a wrestling fan to enjoy this. This is a very candid human story with so many different layers to it. And without spoiling the movie or things we talk about in this interview, just as I look at the movie description, the first sentence just kind of captures the vibe, but it's a rare glimpse into the legendary career of a wrestling icon, Vampiro, as he grapples with his demons and life after fame. And like I mentioned, there's so many layers to it. And this film is available everywhere right now on iTunes. Once again, it's titled Nail in the Coffin. And I'm so happy to pick Vampiro and Mike's brain on this today. Also, there's moments if you are a wrestling fan. I got to nerd out and uh, dive into his experience on Lucha Underground and some other things as well. So, yeah, we're going to get into this one real quick. I actually have very limited time to record right now. Um, so I want to say to any of the sponsors... I'm going to get you on the next episode. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I, I just I just really want to put this one out right now. And also, before we get into this, I want to thank all of you who are on the Patreon right now. I appreciate you so much. And um, every little bit of support helps this show so, so much so we can keep doing interviews like this and cover a lot of hidden expenses. And there's, there's a lot more than you can even imagine. But... Uh, with that being said, we're going to jump into this very candid interview. Also, Vampiro is known to multitask, and um, yeah, that's what's going on right now. He's right in the middle of this long-ass hike. <laughs> Actually, as this interview ends, uh, you could tell uh, he was exhausted and really didn't want to fucking talk to me anymore, <laughs> and uh, and that's all right. Uh, Shout-outs to Vamp and Mike for taking time with me. I think you guys are going to enjoy this one, and I can keep talking about it, but let's get into it. So without further ado, here's Vampiro and Michael Patz coming at you right now. I'm uh, I'm in the middle of shooting another movie. And, oh, uh, I miscalculated the time. I'm training for this walk that I'm doing in Spain. 
but uh, I can do it from here. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. If you if you don't mind, that'd be really cool. It's an exclusive, dude. Yeah, we got we got the candid vampiro right now. This is great. But um, yeah, I want to say even before uh, I get into talking about uh, this new documentary that I just watched, I thought it was fucking fantastic, guys. And uh, before um, for the last couple couple years, I've been uh, following you on social media, vampiro, and I want to commend you on how you use it by um, just projecting positive energy and uh, very conscious about like mental health and everything. I think it's very important in uh, these type of times right now. Well, thank you for that. And yeah, I'm pretty much changed my life around that guy in that movie doesn't exist anymore. We're actually doing the second part of it right now, which is me Uh, (laughs) completely changed my life around and, lost 140 pounds and all that stuff and preparing for this walk you know mental health and fitness is the way to go son you know what i'm saying yeah yeah definitely definitely and um yeah a lot of you like your blogs you'd randomly come on and sometimes it would even hit me personally on a day when i was feeling low and give me some energy so i heard i am the first um interview you guys of are doing today so i'm excited i get to give that energy back to you uh and and in sort of way because uh well, yeah. thank you. Yeah, I've always appreciated that about uh, about your social media and everything. And uh, I want to say too, Michael, it's nice to meet you. Um, like I mentioned, I love the film, and I want to know how you guys like linked up and uh, decided to do this documentary. We were running drugs from Colombia, and uh, <laughs> Michael got caught. Yeah. So we don't want to tell that story, Mike. Okay, next question, right? <laughs> next question. Yeah. Uh, this no, is definitely a Michael question. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we've, uh, uh, we've known each other on and off for many years. I used to live in Mexico uh, back around 2002. Uh, I used to write for uh, Super Luchas, which was a wrestling magazine in Mexico City. That's how I got to know uh, Ian and and everybody in the, in the scene in Mexico. And then we reconnected about 18 years later uh, and we bumped into each other in the airport. And then he was telling me what he was up to. He was telling me that he was commuting uh, from Thunder Bay to Mexico city to Los Angeles and back again. And every, so that he had to be back Sunday night uh, to take his daughter to school in the, in the mornings. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is crazy. Um, the commute alone is, is like every single week. And then we started to, one thing led, led to another and, uh, that became the sort of the, the seed for the documentary. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Like, so yeah, you just kind of, kind of caught them at like a piece of time. And one thing I, f- I found was that was super interesting about the documentary is it's wasn't only like the present time you jumped around and had even footage from, I think maybe like the nineties and all over the place of, uh, of your life, Ian. And, and uh, yeah. and, um, did you always have this footage on deck? Like for maybe like one day, this is going to turn into something bigger, like a bigger puzzle. No, no, not at all. Um, because at first, hey, dude, does it does the sound of the traffic bother you? Because I can I can cut up the street where there's no traffic. Um, I I can't really hear it on my end. Okay, okay, okay. Um, no, I. The more that you, I'm nobody special. I'm just a guy. You know what I mean? Hmm. Who who was in the right place at the right time? My life is extraordinarily bizarre there's 99 percent of the craziness is not in the movie 
uh, and nobody believes me when I tell them. So it's kind of like, why document things? Because it's just too unreal. It's too unbelievable. Even Michael will tell you. Like I would tell you, hey, I'm doing this, that, the other thing. I did this yesterday. I'm doing this tomorrow. And it's like, fuck, James Bond don't even do that kind of stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I do. And uh, I did it. And then Michael saw it. And it's kind of like, I don't know how he was able to pull a story about me and my daughter out of my mess of a life. But he worked a miracle. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah, that's it's it's amazing how it all pieced together too. Um, I'm uh I'm a filmer myself, and I edit, and uh, yeah, just watching something like that, how the puzzle came together is just amazing, Michael. And uh, did you, uh, what on your end? Um, what were like the challenges uh, of doing something like that? Um. I mean, there wasn't a lot of the challenges were, were just trying like putting, taking all of that stuff and putting it together into a story uh, was because there was just so much footage, so much stuff. Um, we were fortunate enough to work with Danny Palmer, who was uh, formerly from Vice. And, um, and sorry, give me one second. I lost you there. He's formerly from, from, from Vice. And um, he did Dark Side of the Ring and uh, season one did a few episodes of that. So he knew wrestling really, really well. And um, basically, we went down this rabbit hole. We're just like looking for archival footage. The cameras have been following Ian for years and years and years. So our job was to gather as much footage as possible. And then our, the, the, the focus was the story of, of, of Ian and Dasha. That was always the heart of the story. But then how do you kind of get everybody up to speed on his life and, 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 and all that? So we chose a, a, a bit of a nonlinear editing style to sort of kind of like jump, go back to the past, back to the for, you know, future, I mean, to the present, back and forth, uh, to try to get you going. So it was, it was fun. And it was what, you know, the stuff that we wanted to cut was, it was, it was so hard. It was so hard. I mean, we can make a whole movie on Millie Vanilli and his time there. Like, yeah. That's a whole documentary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure like there's, there's so many pieces of what, uh, you do Ian where yeah they're all just like sub stories like it could be like a total series and one thing I enjoyed as like a production nerd is seeing you behind the scenes at AAA and how fucking passionate you are you said like sometimes you punch the screen as you're doing the switcher and and I totally get it like um I believe what you put out the energy you put out is what you receive in life and when you're directing something at that that high level um yeah you you gotta set the example for for whether it's the locker room or the other cameramen and everything it's cool yeah i, I don't know i'm pretty high energy i guess yeah yeah I, uh, I i do everything that way volume on 10 full speed ahead no breaks you know no safety net and uh i get results so my style doesn't work for everybody. My style of doing that bothers some people, but I don't give a fuck. You know what I'm saying? What were you I, was gonna, I don't know I was going to say. I think today's interview, this this podcast, is a prime example of of, of Ian Babe being able to do mul mul like multitasking. He's doing he right now. He's doing a ten mile hike right now, as, <laughs> as we as we talk, <laughs> and we're doing a podcast. You know this what I mean? Is, this yeah, this is I, classic. This is classic. Man. <laughs> Like I'm doing, a, I'm I'm shooting a movie right now, and actually I'm shooting an episode. The guys are across the street, and I got a little fucking mic on this this thing. I'm shooting a 360 movie in an episodic TV show right now during this 10 mile hike. Wow! And I'm doing this with you guys. <laughs> wow! So, <laughs> the yeah. king of multitasking. That's that's amazing. I, I don't know about that. 
it's, it's mental health, brother. You can either sit at home and listen to the voices or you can put those voices to work. All facts, brother. All facts. Um, one thing that I find so interesting about you too is uh, I've heard on a couple of your lives that you wake up at 1 a.m. in the morning and that's when you start your day when everything's all still. And I smoke major marijuana when I'm walking 10 miles too. <laughs> attaboy, attaboy. I, actually, I'm loving this too, especially uh, I released one, one episode uh, last week and uh, a listener uh, sent a comment in saying they they love how candid this is. And this is just candid to like the next level. It really fits the vibe of what we do on this program here. And then some. But uh, yeah. there you go. Yeah I, yeah, I appreciate you talking to us as you're as you're doing your, your walk and everything. Yeah, so punching a TV screen is no big fucking deal. If that's what you got to do to get the job done, then that's what you do, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, one thing I thought, or like another thing I thought was cool about that movie too was like the look that in the, on um, the lucha culture because I grew up watching like North American wrestling and um, I've always been fascinated with like the luchadors I watched Monday Night Wars like all the WCW shit all that but then like I don't I don't really know the history of like like I'm familiar with you and Conan and I always knew you had history but to actually like see it um on video and uh hear a little bit of that story it was really cool to me because it's see your your roots and like how big of mega stars you guys were over there yeah it was uh you can't explain it you can't watch it on video you can't see it in a movie you had to have been there mm -hmm. it's like uh i use this word and i mean no disrespect to anything or anyone or anybody's likes or dislikes I'm only using it because it's a word that you're all going to be able to understand visually quickly. It was like Beatlemania. It wasn't pro wrestling. Yeah. It was, it was at that time, culturally, in Mexico, the government had just lifted the ban on uh, American or North American or European heavy metal rock and roll bands, for example, in Mexico. The media stopped being so censorship heavy. Uh, MTV was allowed on the air. So all these things were happening, like uh, there were athletes that were rebellious. There were people starting to get tattoos, uh, Guns N' Roses and L.A. Guns and Faster Pussycat were, were just starting to hit on MTV. Um, so anything that was alternative was still kind of friendly. Hip hop worked with punk rock. Punk rock worked, worked with skateboarders. Skateboarders started to get into rap metal. It's but we were all friends back then. So when I got to Mexico, uh, the Anne Rice books, Interview with the Vampire and all that stuff, um, had been the Bible of all these LA rock and roll vampire people. And I was one of them. I really liked the version of her telling of a vampire who was a street performer, telling all the other vampires that he was a vampire and he was gonna tell the world that vampires existed. I thought, I'm going to take that and do the exact same thing in Mexico in wrestling. And when I did that, I, I did it at the right time when all of these things were booming and all of these young people needed an outlet. And I was that guy because wrestling, I wasn't a movie star where you can't touch them because of bodyguards and security. I was wrestling in, in very low income areas, 
anywhere, sometimes six, seven, eight, nine, nine, ten times a day. It was unbelievable. So you could touch me because I would literally change in your bedroom, walk to the ring, and you can, you know, walk with me, leave the ring, walk me to my car. So the fans had access to us, and we became one of them. So it was Beatlemania. It wasn't normal. It had nothing to do with wrestling. It was just we were in the right place at the right time, and it was 100% rock star. That's that's amazing. And um, it's it's interesting to see, too, like uh, how wrestling in Mexico is so embedded in that culture. And over here, it's almost like a taboo to, to watch or people are embarrassed to uh, say they watch it. And, uh, yeah, it's it's really interesting to me to see, like, those both sides of uh, – of just like the different cultures. and I think the easiest way to put it, and I think Michael will agree is, you know, Mexico is an oppressed society. There's a lot more corruption. It's a lot more talked about. It's a normal thing to know the government's corrupt, for example, right? Just as a, as a topic of conversation, society is tough down there. The economy sucks, the corruption, the gangs, the violence, the insecurity, all those things give you a culture where people need something that they can touch that's going to inspire faith and hope. And that's pro wrestling because storytelling is storytelling. Good versus evil. At the end of the day, the good guy's going to win. That makes people come back the next week. So in Mexico, because of the situation culturally and because of the politics of the world down there, it's so embedded that I'm going to go have a few beers. I'm going to scream every bad name Think of my boss, think of, think of the corrupt police, think of paying my taxes, and I'm going to scream all those things at the bad guy. And, that, and the good guy winning is me giving the middle finger to everything that bothers me. So mm-hmm. that's why it means so much in Mexico. Up here, if you're not a teen boy, you get laughed at. Yeah, yeah, it's very true. Um, yeah, and it's interesting too, it's like uh, how – the themes that you brought into the ring, like you just mentioned, it connects beyond wrestling. And you think about in North America at its biggest time, it was stone cold punching his boss. You know, it's like, it's something uh, people outside of the program always wanted to do or connected with and shit like that. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting to me to see the waves of how, when it's hot and when it's like kind of cold. Yeah, it, well, there's, that's why. And people grow and move on, and that's why uh, it, it usually has a cycle of four to five years, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, and then and then you just got to rebuild it. Yeah, definitely. I also think uh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sound, keep sounding like the biggest mark right now, but uh, I think it's was a lost opportunity for WCW to not include you in Conan's history because. I didn't. I didn't know this, and I would watch every week. Um, but like until like later in life, I hear interviews of you guys, um, and even like what you guys were doing with with your time. Like you would bring in the misfits, and Conan would bring in the No Limit Soldiers. You could have had like um, like punk rock versus rap, and that would be another thing that goes beyond wrestling. Like magazines would have talked about it and shit like that, but. Um, w- did they just not know about like your history or didn't like want to bring that? I, I don't know. I think there was too many, too many other influences going on there in WCW for them to have worried about us too. Yeah. But, uh, but going off of what you just mentioned, 
that's probably one of the now that I hear you say that it makes sense to me what Michael did is putting that feud in the movie because if you watch the movie you will see the the the, the because Conan and I have given our versions over the years but just hearing how interested you are in it in the movie you can actually see it yeah uh there's no difference in the story he tells or the story i tell and it's there on video so there's no there's no bullshit you know what i'm saying and whether i like him or not or whether he likes me or not i've known the guy for almost 40 fucking years and we survived so the movie does tell that story and you can't leave real life in the hands of a wrestling company at any level because they'll fuck it up and that's yeah. another good thing about the movie the movie's the real deal you know what i'm saying the mm -hmm. movie, there's no bullshit. It's not a made-up story coming from third, fourth, fifth, sixth parties. You're in my house. It's the real story. Yeah, yeah. There's a very raw feel to it. It's uh, it's um, it's incredible. Um, and Michael, I want to ask you, like, uh, like was mentioned earlier that uh, you were you were a writer for like Lucha stuff, or how how did you get into that whole universe there? I mean, I was a, uh, I'm a fan since I was like four years old, right? So my dad used to take me to Maple Leaf Gardens to watch wrestling. I used to see the uh, – there was this guy called the Bear Man in, in Canada, and he used to do a traveling wrestling show around the towns and used to see him. And so I, like, as a kid, I was like, it's in my blood. And then I ended up moving to Mexico. Well, I met my wife there. And um, – the first thing I wanted to do was, you know, learn about Lucha. And then I, I ended up getting a job and writing, uh, being a reporter there. And I got to meet everybody. And it was, it was, it, for me, it was an amazing uh, education. Uh, it was a totally different world. And, uh, and for them to give me an opportunity to, you know, to interview them and to follow them around, it was great. And, and, I, and I, that was like 18 years ago. I never thought at all that was ever going to be useful, you know what I mean, in terms of what I'm doing today but there you go like everything everything happens for a reason and when i bumped into ian you know, like this story you know we didn't do the story 10 15 years ago it, it was it felt like this was the time to 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 tell it and and use everything that we had we both had learned over the years and kind of come together to make this and it was it was a great experience yeah yeah that's that's so cool to hear and uh yeah again like yeah you mentioned everything happens for a reason and i i truly believe it too um just um, a little off topic too um for the longest time uh i kind of grew out of wrestling after the monday night wars and i've got back into it but what kind of sparked my love for it again was finding lucha underground um in the like a few years ago and uh the one thing that actually dragged me in was the first episode i watched was the season finale of uh ep or uh, of uh season one and seeing you again ian which really excited me because uh i haven't seen you in years and then the match you had with pentagon just kind of blew my mind because i've never seen like a death match on like north american television before you always had to buy some like crazy bootleg tape from japan to get that and just the whole presentation where the show was different it just felt like a movie and um i hear a lot of interviews of uh, people who worked on lucha underground where it's kind of like they love it or hate it for like 
whatever reasons. And um, I just want to know what, what, how did you feel about your experience on that show? Um, I loved it. I had fun because I wasn't uh, a main player. Yeah. I, on, on camera, meaning when I was Vampiro, active Vampiro, I was the guy who had to carry the show. Here, I, I wore many different hats on the show and I got to produce, I got to be an agent, I got to be part of the creative um, and I was a commentator and I was the hype man. I was all kind of things for the show. I, I had a great time. I learned a lot. I grew as a person, but it was also a very difficult time too because <clears throat> it's when I was diagnosed. It's when I was at my sickest. It's when the movie was starting. It's when my daughter was going through some stuff. Uh, how I survived, how I didn't die. I'd had a stroke. Um, that was 340 pounds, you know, how, how, how I made it through that month or whatever it was. Uh, I don't know. That match almost killed me because the arthritis. I couldn't walk for about a month and a half after that. Holy fuck. But I didn't tell anybody. Yeah, I don't care. You know, it, it is what it is. Um, yeah, I'm blessed. I, I, I'm here. I'm alive. This is a blessing. I'm healthy. Um, but that match... Fuck, that match was like about a 45-minute match. They only showed like 12 minutes on TV. Oh, it was only wow. a 30, it's a 30-minute it's a show, and I knew that. But I broke all the rules, and I should have gotten fired and gotten fined. Me as a producer, you know, when you have a time on TV, and if they tell you six minutes, that's it, six minutes. But I thought to myself, I've done this for 40 years. I don't give a fuck. What are they going to do, fire me? <laughs> and uh, I was in charge of passing the torch to a young man and you can't do that in six minutes you've got to tell a story you've got to first pay homage to what you've done you've got to let the fans see why vampiro is vampiro then you've got to put the you got to pass the torch so i took about 45 minutes i got in trouble like crazy but the fans still talk about it they say it was an iconic moment they say it was a great match steve austin tells me all the time everybody tells me that was one of the greatest matches they've ever seen i thought it was the shits but it did its job. Pentagon is now one of the biggest stars in the world of pro wrestling. So that's how you do things. And it doesn't make me a lot of friends, but if you put me in the driver's seat and you let me run with the ball, even like this movie, nobody ever got backstage in a dressing room at Triple Mania. No one ever got to see that kind of shit, but we did it. So that's the kind of, kind of the way I, I can respond to you about Lucha Underground. The way you saw that movie, multiply that by 500 and that's what i do at lucha underground so it's just another day at the office dude yeah wow wow and and you're you're right about uh like taking the time to do that with pentagon too because uh i haven't heard of him before that match and then after it i was a fan and i fought i followed that show because of that storyline and it continued for a couple more seasons and it was just so fucking cool but also i want to commend you on that your attitude of just kind of knowing in your heart that Sometimes you got to step outside of the box. Sometimes you have to break the rules to push something forward. And even if it gets you in trouble, almost like kind of be in a way a martyr for the bigger cause in a way. And I, I feel like that's what you do in like a lot of things in your life. Just kind of like, I don't give a fuck attitude and just go for it. Um, to an extent. Yes. Uh, but again, if it wasn't for Michael, reeling me in or controlling the boundaries 
and, and understanding that me doing what you just said, uh, it's not so much that I don't give a fuck. My perception of reality is distinct. So I handle things a different way. I believe as a filmmaker, Michael has that touch, that patience to let me, you know, it's like a, a wild horse in a cage. You let him out, he jumps up and down, he bucks, he kicks. And then after he does that, he's fine. And I think that was one of the ways that Michael was able to deal with me because there was a lot of emotion in all that shit. So, you know, even, even hearing things like you just asked me, there are some kids who didn't like their experience in Lucha Underground. Well, fuck those guys. They didn't have a job before. They sure kissed ass and fucking begged and pleaded to be on that show when it was on the air. And now it's not on the air and they speak bad about it. Yeah. I don't go for that. See, that's, that's one of the reasons why I'm out of the wrestling business because I just can't stand the hypocrisy, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I definitely know what you're saying too. Like a lot of those people who are I'm I'm fans of now, like uh, like you mentioned, I didn't know who they were before Lucha Underground. So that's uh, you're not going to know about them after next year either. So don't worry about it. <laughs> Shots fired, and uh, and Michael too. Like uh, Ian mentioned your your patience, and uh, I've talked to like a lot of different filmmakers, and some started off making documentaries and quit making documentaries because they didn't have the patience they're like oh, we, we need a script and shit like that and uh it's interesting when making a documentary it's like you're capturing like a moment in time but you don't really know when the ending's gonna be like you have to just always be recording and being there and uh i kind of like want to know a little bit more about like your headspace on this journey following uh ian around um, well, it was about two to three year process. Um, yeah, we've done, we, we it was pretty cool because we had, we had a very small crew. It was just basically just two of us. Uh, we had the ability to be more like a fly in the wall and just kind of observe. So we had a lot of those moments where we could just observe and, 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 and just objectively, you know, watch everything kind of unfold. So we were fortunate about that. But at some point or another, you have to, um, you know, you have to stop and, and we were we we had certain milestones that we wanted to hit and and we managed to, to hit those and the, at the end of the day the you know, the ending for me is like you know people it's it's people like is it a sad ending is happy ending it's a very positive ending because what happens is even though ian is diagnosed he doesn't stop he's mm -hmm. still fighting so when he comes back it's like to show you that he's he won't quit, he will not stop, and he'll st do stop at nothing to 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 you know support his daughter, every and all that, and he won't stop, uh, he won't let Alzheimer's get in the way either. And as you can see, uh, since the documentary, he's lost all this weight. He's just, now he's just finishing his ten mile walk. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah, and still going strong too. And um, and yeah, you you mentioned. Uh, like uh, the moments with his daughter and um i don't know i that's another narrative of this whole movie that i really really loved um even watching like that it was getting me emotional it made me want to just call somebody that and check up on like my best friends and some family members of watching that and i really love how you put her above everything you can be in the middle of 
directing Triple Mania, which for people who don't know, it, that's like the WrestleMania in Mexico. It's the Super Bowl. You could be directing that. And just like if she calls, you're going to pick up and it, it doesn't matter. She's first above everything. Isn't that the way it's supposed to be? Yes, yes. But um, a lot there's a lot of people that don't have parents like that in their lives. But uh, it, I don't know. It's a good example to set. Well, the world's falling apart today. <laughs> yeah, you kind of you kind of cut out there, but um, yeah. Sorry, sorry about that. Um, but yeah, yeah. Another thing I, I wanna wanna ask about too is uh, your. Oh, I, I think we might have lost it. No, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, is you have a, a show where you're doing interviews yourself on the El Ray Network as well? Yeah, yeah. Like, um, how's how's that experience for you? Have you uh, have you? I just, uh, did, like, I just did ten miles. I don't give a fuck about the El Ray Network. <laughs> okay. Right okay. <laughs> That's all right. But uh, I'm kidding. It, that that was a blessing. I love the Alright Network. That's home for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were talking about that show back in Lucha Underground, but just because of timing and stuff, and I was really sick, I couldn't do it. So I was I I jumped at the chance because I knew what's coming, like what I'm doing next with my life, and uh, it was urgent for me to separate who I am from the character Vampiro because Vampiro is very visual, very animated, very physical, very punchy, very, very aggressive. Whereas my new line of work is, is, is speaking. So it's a great opportunity for me to practice uh, holding the people in my hand. Whereas before I could hold them in my hand with physical storytelling. So now it's a whole other thing for me. And I'm, I'm, I'm enamored by it, by the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome, and uh, and also uh, I I was watching your live yesterday, and uh, you mentioned that you got a lot of amazing stuff ahead. Uh, is there is is there anything um, you can talk about uh, with these these new projects, or let let us know what's going on with them? Of course. Uh, well, all of it is because of this movie. So this movie is not, as Michael just finished saying, is not the end of the story. So uh, the second part of that is is me, my recuperation. Then the third part of it's going to be what you can do to achieve the same results. So right now we're in the middle of doing the second part. And uh, we've been training for a year to do this walk in Spain. The walk in Spain is like 500 miles, but we can't go because of the virus. So we're going to do it in California, but it's on a traditional route that used to be part of Mexico when California was still part of Mexico. And there's a lot of missions in old four or 500 year old churches that were used, especially during the revolution. So we're going to rewalk that route that the pilgrims walked then. And we're going to be doing a lot of ritual magic, which is, it's just, is the meditations and planting of sacred stones to clear the pathway to get the energy flowing in a positive way again on that route and hopefully make it a, a yearly pilgrimage, letting people know how many beautiful things they have right here in the United States. Well, that's cool to hear. And, Pretty cool, uh, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, to remind everybody, this the Vampiro documentary is going to be everywhere in Canada on iTunes October 6th. 
Um, we're going to plug the shit out of that because um, I really love this movie. And uh, lastly, I want to I thank you both for uh, spending the time with me today. And uh, Done, gonna, motherfucker. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to let you recover from your walk and everything. <laughs> oh, I just did. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so, so much. Uh, I hope you both have a great day. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thank you, brother. Hey, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that episode with Vampiro. Like I mentioned, the movie Nail in the Coffin is available everywhere on iTunes right now. And like always, we're going to end with a song. And what better fitting band than the Misfits? I didn't even dive into it with this interview, but Vampiro used to roll to the ring in his WCW era with the legendary punk band, the Misfits. And that is so badass. Like Mike mentioned in this interview as well, too, there's Vampiro has so many stories and there could be just so many separate documentaries on each one. And yeah, so once again, check out Nail in the Coffin. Thanks to Mike and Vamp for their time. And here is the Misfits with Dig Up Her Bones. Boom! See you next week.